The worst horror movie I ever saw was fucking great. Hello and welcome to This May Hurt a Bit. My name is James Strayer and this is... John C. Myers. And we are a horror franchise podcast discussing each film in popular and not so popular franchises. And today we're discussing The Omen from 1976. Uh, I, I mean, 2006. So uh, we're watching another remake that uh, came out. What is that? 30 years? 30 years that's, that's after 30 years and my goodness, I want to talk about why this one sucks as compared to as why we thought psycho was interesting in a weird way. Y- yes. Just like, I don't know why this is a in process thought that I'm having right now. So we don't have to jump into it right away, but let's think about that. Why does this one kind of, be crappy. <laughs> so it's similar to Psycho in that it uses like the the fact that Psycho was like a shot for shot remake. Yeah, basically of the original right. one. This uses the original script. That's my favorite thing about this. We talked about in the original one how Richard Donner made all these changes to it for the final oh, product, right. and yeah. this kind of shows. Oh, this is a, this is a good vehicle to show you, man. Richard Donner's a good and smart director. <laughs> yes, he knows what to include, what to exclude, what to yeah. rewrite. Yeah, and so like on its own, it's. I mean, like. Overall, it's it's unnecessary. Well, you can just yeah. put that out there. But mm-hmm. um, uh, on its own, though, like it's not bad necessarily, but it's just you you can't help but compare it to the original, particularly, I mean, in this format of a podcast. Right. But like knowing what the original is versus what this is, it's like, oh, this is like an airport or, you know, a grocery store uh, uh, checkout lane novelization of the movie. Right. Is what it kind of feels like. Yeah. I just happened to check, check our Instagram, which I don't do very often, I admit, uh, right before we hit record and uh chumps was on there and he posted just like well this was a waste of time and i was like yeah kind of like i i kind of agree with you it's it's so lifeless that um like i was thinking to myself while watching it like oh this could be like a 35 minute podcast and uh that's about (laughs) it really because like i know our format is to go scene by scene and sometimes i feel like that's not the best way to do it but you know whatever and i'm just like i don't know how that's useful this time not well, to throw yeah, a wrench we, in it but like you could you could just like pull, replay from a couple months the, ago the problem is that you have a uh, director john moore mm-hmm. who also did a good day to die hard and max Payne and fly to the phoenix Goodness. so here's this guy that's got shiny action behind him mm-hmm. and bringing that kind of like the looks he has right to this format i don't think works well and i, I don't think there's anything against stylish horror obviously I, I i enjoy mandy for example right but like so much of this movie is about a regular world falling apart because of this thing and these people exist in these spaces that are not real at all mm-hmm. that are not like what office looks like that why is his why is his uh psychiatrist's office i love that office <laughs> It's, it's amazing looking, yes, but it just doesn't feel it doesn't like fit. <laughs> a, a, a place someone would be. Actually, mm-hmm. it's just all like super overlit or whatever. And that stylization takes away from the personalness of the horror, and so I think makes it as a result less scary. Um, sure. At, right off the bat, going that like, all right, we know 
there's no mystery here. This is well set up that yeah. this is going to be the devil's son, that this is bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can't really expect that same level of mystery. But that being said, without that mystery, it's not that interesting. No, it, it no. lacks a little something because you're just like you're following. You're watching the characters figure it out what you already know. Yeah. And it's a little bit more fun to follow along with them. And you're still not entirely sure. Mm hmm. So some of these moments that they're having, you're like, yeah, no, he's the devil, though. Like, this is all bad. Right. Particularly because they they include him in certain scenes, like the hospital scene. Yes. With Mia Farrow. That's mm-hmm. rather than just being like this stuff around him. So I don't know. The most important thing about this film is that it was released June 6, 2006. Yes. Like that is by far and away. That's why it got made. That's why everything happened. Do you remember where you were on June 6, 2006? Because I do. Wait, you know where I was? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I, 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 um, I mean, I thought it was so funny that we were coming up on that that date of course and at the Mm -hmm. time i was working for a small uh record label here in portland oregon called sole moon recordings label and distribution greg gallant if you're listening i know you follow us on instagram hi there my old co-worker love that guy we had a sale It, it, it was music that was like um kind of esoteric dark ambient noise like creepy music dark folk music and stuff like that everything but metal basically in that kind of stylized genre but we had a sale that day that was like 20 percent off if you called on june 6 2006 and you said hail satan on the phone and <laughs> we just got all these people calling up and saying hail satan and i said you can have another five percent off if you say it in a demon voice <laughs> and so like i had all of our customers calling up and saying it in a demon voice and it was funny and it was just for us. But anyway, I just remember that so clearly. And I was just like, oh, yeah, there's an Omen remake coming out today. And yeah. like none of us in the office like cared about it or anything. And it's been years and I finally watched it because of this. Yeah, I was probably working. I was I was either at my office working late or drunk. Uh, yeah. Sounds 26 right. years old. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, I mean, 26 years old in Portland. Yeah. Yeah. For that's sure. What, that's what you're doing when, cause you could afford it at that time. Right. But, um, but the, 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 the funny thing is, is just like, I looked this up and when this was greenlit was July, 2005. Uh-huh. It went into theaters, June 6, 2006, 11 months. That is lightning fast for mm-hmm. a movie. Like I think uh, they of far, this caliber of, this of like, yeah, size. I mean, cause we've certainly seen a lot quicker, but right. um, for this giant, big, seemingly worldwide production. Yeah. I can't imagine like working on this and just feeling like, Oh, I got to hit that date. Like my goodness. So yeah. Where to begin? I mean, it's, it seems a fool's errand to go scene by scene because it's, I, so I wonder if, we have a, a a proper terminology or phrasing for this kind of movie where it's not quite shot for shot. It's not quite psycho level, which was mm-hmm. very specifically shot for shot. But this is the same script practically to the point where the writer who did the remake for this was not allowed a credit. The WGA said, like, this is way too similar. You don't get a writing credit on this. The, the closest thing I can think of is you're, you're more of a music guy. So you can probably think of some examples of this. When someone does a cover of a song mm-hmm. and it's just a cover, you know what I mean? Like, there's no there's nothing added to it. That's you know my least I mean? like, favorite like you, kind of cover. Yeah, yeah. You think of of 
Nirvana's Man Who Sold the World versus the original Man Who Sold the World or, or right. other things like that. And then you then you hear some that are like, oh, yeah, this is just the same song. You just are singing it as a woman or, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, it's just it's no different. Yeah. And that's like, what this kind of um, feels like. There's really kind of like why this, you just did this with like higher production value. Right. A, a, yeah. Is basically. And it doesn't feel that much different. Yeah. I was always a big fan of uh, Dinosaur Jr.'s big fuzzy cover of Just Like Heaven. Because like, oh, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. how do you improve on Just Like Heaven? It's like a, the greatest pop song ever, practically. And then you add the big fuzzy dinosaur genius to it. Nobody's doing that with the Omen remake, <laughs> like, yeah. except for a couple of like dream sequences or something. Ooh, yeah, Much which I did not like, like the Psycho remake, which was so bizarre. Yes. Yeah. That there are these weird added like arty things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those those felt really forced in there. And, you know, so that could that could be the studio being like, this isn't scary enough. Kids, they want jump scares. Because this is 2006. Saw is still a big deal. Right. You know, we're, we're still making those kind of movies. And there's a lot of like 2006-ish, six-ish feel. It's like the opening credits are very much like, yeah, I've seen Seven. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought of Seven and Saw during and then, those yeah, opening well, credits. Like the approach to the church has a much more Saw feel with like quick cuts, mm-hmm. you know, like flashes of other stuff that really take away for that moment again like doesn't have the mystery of like what's going on with this kid it's trying to give it to you from like his point of view which is strange at that moment because you know he's the devil so like why would you want the audience to empathize this is why he's freaking out right rather than have it be like the the the, the hero so to speak you uh, be forced to deal with it and they just yeah the the focus on sometimes like the stylization of stuff takes the focus away from the horror that is happening like when the nanny kills herself and it's all mm-hmm. for you damon they have her jump off the building and she whams against the side of the house rather than go through a window yeah but then her shoe falls off for shot from underneath the shoe falls off falls down and into the punch breaks this punch bowl and then people start freaking out when you end with a shot of the punch bowl getting destroyed the problem becomes no more punch the that she killed herself <laughs> is that there's no more punch. Or there's it's a shoe like, in the punch. Yeah. Like it's, I'm not drinking shoe it, punch. It took away <laughs> from that, like, the horror of this person. Like, then she, when she shatters through the window, because I don't, you know, it seemed like that wasn't planned in the suicide right. or whatever in the original. But this just, like, added this needless, like, oh, wouldn't that be cool if this had, if, if we could make it seem like the Guns N' Roses November Rain video. I mean... And, that's my favorite Guns N' Roses video. Well, it's but, everyone's yeah. favorite Guns N' Roses video. Um, <laughs> right. No, nah, I don't. I don't want that in my Omen movie. Yeah, I mean, I I have a feeling that it was a director's choice, the punch bowl thing, to then mirror the Pope spilling his wine in the very end in slow motion. So we have red wine and punch getting poured like blood or yeah. something. Like yeah. it's just like, man, that's pretty ham fisted, guys. It's like, very ham fisted. And, and here here's the other problem with this is like. Again, I the Omen is a classy movie. Like it's yes. it's it's serious, it's thoughtful. I'm not going to call it an art film, but like it, it does have a different kind of caliber than other stuff that we watch here. And so, like when you're going for these ham-fisted updates on it, it feels so much lesser. Well, I think it's because you're you're trying to be serious as well. If you just oh, went, like, true. like yeah. much more camp with it, I don't necessarily mean like Omen three, uh, yeah, <laughs> but just just something a little bit because it's but it still wants to have that, ooh, that, that the Omen has, yeah. but it still has like yeah, it kind of camps up a lot of stuff. Like at the beginning, we have instead of being this mysterious like, hey, we got a free baby, um, <laughs> you see, you see as the book opens as well, like you see here's the people noticing the stars aligning, people there's a there's a holy PowerPoint presentation to the Pope, and I they try to that like. Yeah. 
yeah. I, I thought it was stupid, but I but I laughed because yes. like oh, I absolutely laughed because they were just trying to draw all these stupid current events into prophecy, which is yeah. like what conspiracy theorists do. It, like right. it, this is so modern that we had nine eleven in there. Mm-hmm. We had the Columbia explosion, which you know, as an avid NASA fan. You know, like I was like, Ugh, I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah. But there were there were like six trumpets blown or something like that that they were yeah. going over. And I do love the idea of John and I work in uh, advertising and video production, and that kind of stuff. And we've had to do presentations for clients and stuff. I, can you imagine being the guy who had to put together that presentation for the Pope? Like, yeah. I mean, just like going in there, like you talk, no, you talk, no, you talk. Like, <laughs> and then, and then just like the, Oh, I didn't, I, I didn't change the transitions between the slides. This is all page peel. Like it's, you know, this isn't loading right. correctly. Hold on. We're going to stop this presentation to, to tech support. <laughs> right. It's just, again, like it's that. I know it's something everyone does, but there's something about the taking the holy and making it profane. That seems more of part three, where it's just like, yes, these prophecies that will show you in a PowerPoint presentation is just a straight bummer, man. Yeah. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to think about like being in a meeting with the Pope, but right. so they, they do that. And yeah, it's, it's way more ominous. And leave Schreiber is at the orphanage, whatever, talking to the priest. It's lit so much more drastically mm-hmm. and it makes it seem much, so much more conspiratorial. It's like, you've got to take that baby, man. Come on. Versus the like, Hey, this could actually work out. I don't know. There, there was one moment in that scene that I perked up at, and I'm so bad at remembering our own conversations that, you know, maybe you'll just have to remind me, but like, yeah, I don't listen to you either. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the priest says something to the effect of God will forgive us this one trespass for the sake of this baby's life. Mm-hmm. Did they do that in the first movie? Cause I thought that that was at least a little bit of a, like, Hey, I'm trying to justify things here. You know? I don't remember, but there wasn't, there was the whole, like, why worry about the dead? Like focus the love on the living. Right. Um, yes. You know. Which I do remember that. Okay. So leave Schreiber. He's no Gregory Peck, but I'm going to say that while this is a needless movie, the performances are pretty solid. Yes. I think that they're fine. They're, yeah. They're, Maybe even better than fine. Yeah, I don't know Leif Schreiber from anything. And uh, I, but I just thought that he was, he was perfectly good in this role. He was severe enough. And, he actually, like, I don't know. He showed his chops. Yeah, I this. mean, there was, there was a little bit more interplay between the couple when they go to London to be ambassadors or whatever. There's a little bit more, like, butting heads about mm-hmm. this change in their life. And, I, again, like, I thought Julia Stiles was fine. No beef with Julia Stiles. Yeah. She would she would make a good, like, looking at her face when she was hanging off the uh, the balcony, she would make a good young Kai win if you did, oh like, a, a, a <laughs> oh DS9 prequel. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. No, I thought she was fine. And, and yeah, like he's it's a thing where you can't be like well he's no Gregory Peck because who is right I would I would like some like ASMR of him speaking Italian oh era vecchio di mattone me lo ricordo bene it's the right address ah può essere per l'incendio molti anni fa cosa è successo because when they're when they're talking to the hospital he's like oh that was yeah. just like, I'm going to go to bed now. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed him in this. And he's a little, a little stayed in some places when they encounter the grave site. I think that's when you, when you really start to see Gregory Peck, like fall apart and yes. with the deaths, whatever. And I don't think he, the movie couldn't let him do that. It was, it was too much of everything kind of under glass uh, right. in a lot of it that it would have felt weird if he did, but I still kind of would have liked to have seen it. Uh, Julia Stiles does go for the, I think my child is evil quickly Mm -hmm. in this movie. I feel like it happened quickly. 
quicker in this movie. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing necessarily, but like there's something about taking your kid to the zoo and watching a bunch of monkeys like kind of get like a little bit mad. Well, okay, and then the gorilla pounded on the glass, but that's a little bit different than driving a car through a safari and getting attacked. Also, I... There's something to, and I want to be careful about just being constantly old man who likes older movies a little bit better, but there's something about the idea of actual 30 baboons rushing your car, Mm -hmm. which is way scarier than a couple of kind of cute monkeys like screaming at you. And then one kind of CGI looking gorilla, like pounding the glass. Like it doesn't have the same feeling. I just felt, I felt I felt those baboons <laughs> rushing yeah, the car yeah. in a in a different way than this this particular scene. Because at no point during the baboon scene do they actually like break windows and stuff like that, but it felt right. more immediate. And some of that was mm-hmm. how it was put together too. Because this wants to try to do the like the slow burn. It doesn't really do that well. So when the, when the horror stuff happens, like some of the kills are still like outlandish and ridiculous. Yeah. But something I, I started to pick up in this scene, I, I've been noticing it, really picked it up in that monkey scene is the the real star of this movie is the color blue. Because they go nuts with that. And I started to think about like, oh, okay, putting on my Jolene hat and thinking about uh, yeah. from our part two episode. You should listen to that one. And I thought, okay, well, are they going to like put him in blue? Because like way, way back when blue was more associated with Satan and he's just trying to be cheeky about it. No, no, just everything's blue. Mm-hmm. All the children are blue. Uh, you know how there's the they have uh, uniforms on or something yeah, like uniforms that. On yeah. blue. Uh, England, blue tinted. Italy, blue tinted. Jerusalem, blue tinted. He doesn't do the like, oh, are you in the desert? Time for orange tint. Um, no, just everything is blue, blue, right. blue. And it's everything's just very cold and distant. And I don't think that works for this. 2000 um, photography or, you know, my favorite old timey uh, production technique, which is blue for night, as they uh-huh, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I totally got the blue for night in the Israel uh, section. Yes. Full on. I was just like, you guys had this location from two to five o'clock and you had to make it look <laughs> uh-huh. like nighttime, didn't you? <laughs> like, I, I get love it. Their, their hotel room in Israel. When David Thulis, who shows up as Jennings, is the... Um, the not David Warner. The, the not David Warner. No, not a single neckerchief in this movie, by the I way. Know, that should have exactly. been a fucking headline, but... yeah. When he comes in and sits in the bed, his bed is so far away from Liev Schreiber's bed. Yeah. It's like, could we have the not gayest room possible? <laughs> I don't want anyone thinking that we could possibly be gay. Right. I mean, David Thewlis probably didn't think that, but like Liev Schreiber probably thought it's that. Like, you know, know. No, but it was just so, like, that, it's such a huge room. And yeah. like the way they represented, this is what I was going to say earlier, the way they represented Italy. So the, the um, they added a beat where Liev Schreiber gets the job of ambassador because he was originally working for this other ambassador and that ambassador dies and it finally old destination style death yep. that involves Rome basically being this tiny Italian village. It's these two men on this cobblestone road and this horrible truck uh, up on blocks or something. The block gets knocked out. And so the truck rolls backwards, spills gasoline into everything and starts on fire. He gets, he gets clear and present endangered. He gets to be told he's clear and present endangered. Uh, they cut out Harrison Ford, like jumping away from it. Yeah. But like, I just love that. It's like, yeah, Italy, like a major uh, metropolitan area. No, no, it's still just like, Hey, what are you, what's the matter? You face. So why are you in Italy? It was just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. That, that scene, like whenever there's a whole bunch of cars that like stop people in a uh, traffic jam and line Uh up just to like, 
pin someone in. I just think of 1996 and me watching yeah. Clearing Prison Danger. Speaking about the look of the whole thing as well. Yeah. That kid has the drabbest bedroom I've ever seen. I mean, like, it's not like in the original one that Damien had this, like, really child's bedroom. It's still kind of drab, but it seemed more fitting with everything else. This he's just got, it's glum. The wallpaper has, I guess, supposed to look like 666 or something, but it just right. it looks like a grandma's bedroom. It's Well, that that and, like, so I, I, I wondered if they were going for, like, an austere look because yeah. I know that that estate that they moved to like it starts off really austere because they've got like the uh, the blankets over the, the artwork and that kind of stuff but um, I love it when they step outside on the balcony and they, they look back and everything's super gothic architecture and I'm like that's yeah. amazing that's but really all cool. the interiors are so drab and boring and I remember thinking to myself like I don't know if it's a dream sequence I can't remember when Julia Stiles is like brushing her teeth I was just like oh Oh, this is a uh, bathroom by Stanley Kubrick, like yeah. all white, and she's mm-hmm. in a red robe. I th- it might have been a dream sequence, so maybe that's like an acceptable jump. But you're right. It's just needless, you know? Right. But at the same time, I see this a lot where like the super rich have no style at all. Oh, sure. Yeah, and yeah. They are so drab and boring and everything is so clean. If I was super wealthy, I'd have a hobbit hole. Like, it'd be warm and cozy and kind of awesome to be in, but these people are terrible. They've yeah. got terrible taste. Well, when I, I was thinking about that, watching this one versus the the styles and whatever of both one and two and a lot of, like, wood paneling and warmth right. and stuff like that. And I was like, I kind of miss that. Um, mm-hmm. Not that I'm ever in hanging around with a bunch of rich people, <laughs> right. but it's just like, yeah, that seems like a place you would want to be rather than these, these really cold, uh, uh, minimalist spaces. But that's mm-hmm. just an aesthetic thing, I suppose. Uh, Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think that looks neat, but I don't want that for my home. Like, I want coziness so much, you know? How how do you relax on the couch with a blanket with this kind of austere look? You stay up and be anxious about making money? Maybe that's it? No, yeah, you're not not relaxing. You are making money moves. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Like, so a lot of the this this kind of goes to what I was saying earlier about just, like, everything seemed this, like, this weird minimalistic or very stylized in this way that doesn't seem like a place where actual people are operating. Right. Um, and And I think that can work in a movie, but I think for the kind of movie... The kind of story the omen is, it doesn't it doesn't serve it very well. Um, so let's get into what we thought of Damien. I mean, I I don't know. There's no um, wondering if he's the devil's child, like in the first right. movie. I'm sure there's a better way to say that. This kid is so creepy looking. I already like if he walked up to me, I'd slap him in the face no matter what. <laughs> you know, like I'm sorry, those monkeys had a chance. So yeah, no, I think that's. Um, that's good that we have evidence for your future trial. But yep. I think more importantly, uh, no, it, it is true that like, because there's not that mystery, like Damien rarely ever acts like a normal kid. And that mm-hmm. was something that was more of a thing in part four, where they're all worried that, that Delia isn't making friends like that. This is weird outcast. Whereas in part one, he's still kind of hanging out with kids and it's fine. You right. just don't see it that much. So you're just assuming it's all fine. But he's a little weirdo and he's constantly staring and scowling at stuff. Mm-hmm. Even his peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, how can that kid make a PB&J late at night and not have a smile on his face? Yeah. I do that. I mean, like, you know, I, you know, like he was busted, but his mom's like, that's fine. Yeah. You know? well, well, I do love that even watching that minimal of an action made his mom just be like, yeah, this kid's messed up. Well, why would he, <laughs> we put the peanut butter on first. You put the jelly on first. You, what you, put, the, you put the jelly on top of the peanut butter yes, and then yeah. a dry bread. That's not right. That's not, you, it's it disgusting. goes on. It goes on one slab or the other. That's <laughs> yeah. it. I failed as a parent. Um, 
I get what's, I deserve what's coming to me. <laughs> right. But that, um, yeah. So it just, it, it's, it makes it less interesting because again, there's no mystery. So you're just sort of like, all right, so is he going to start like whiling out here? And then like, it gets some of the, the stuff that's, uh, ambiguous in the first one is more just like confusing here. Cause later when he's with the nanny who we have not talked about yet, the nanny is, uh, uh, Baylock in this one. Okay. Yes. Is played by Mia Farrow in you know, Rosemary from Rosemary's baby and a bit of stunt casting. They're making, Oh, I get that reference and she's fine. But again, this is, she's a lot more pushback than the kind of like, doesn't have the wild eyes that, uh, uh, the original had. So I might've known that this casting was a thing beforehand, but it just went out of my brain. Lots of movie trivia in my head over the years. I, and like I've said before, like I try not to look things up before we watch a movie because I want to be surprised and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. When Mia Farrow walked in as Baylock, I was like, I'm on board with this. This is like, this is total stunt casting, but this is funny. Like this is good. And Mia Farrow is great. She's a great actress. Like she will bring something to this. She brought evil. Like, Mm -hmm. like there was no nuance to this whatsoever, which is, you know, the problem with the whole movie, but she's a lot more like just sweet the whole way through, even while doing some of the most evil stuff where Billy, Billy Whitelock had that more crazed fuck you edge to her performance. Mm -hmm. That scene really got to me when, so instead of when Catherine Thorne is all laid up after the, the balcony drop, which before we get to that, the balcony drop was weird in this one because instead of it, it, in the scene before it's. It's her, it's Balak, like feeding Damien strawberries. And it seems like they're just communicating psychically. Right. And then they both look ominously over at this razor scooter that he yeah. rides instead of, instead that, of instead a tricycle. Of so then yeah. it's like, well, okay, so what's happening there? Is she suggesting that to him? Is he controlling her in a way that, again, I didn't right. wasn't like, ooh, mysterious and ambiguous. It was more just like, wait, what's happening? But then he he goes around that balcony. He doesn't mm-hmm. just pop out of a, of a doorway and hits her. Like, she he takes some turns. It's like, you saw him coming. There's some intent. You're like, yeah. Yeah, don't you hear that? Yeah, exactly. You know? like, I'm not going to judge her parenting skills because who am I to do that? But, like, you hear a scooter yeah. like that. You know what's going around. on, and you know well, he can't okay. be trusted. But on the other hand, maybe she's just like, yeah, he's just scooting around. Who gives yeah. a shit? Like, I, he's I not going to run into this me. Kid. Yeah, yeah. There, there is that. So, okay, I apologize. That's what I think now. <laughs> I apologize to Julia Stiles for your <laughs> right. fake parenting. Right. Um, yeah, so the fall, they try to do the same kind of effect. She falls a lot further. She falls like two stories instead of like right. one, really. Yes. And they try to do the same thing, but it's like, it's so less dreamy or, or hyper real. There was that weird it just angle looks like, that yeah, was lacking. It just looks like a goofy effect versus mm-hmm. like, you could tell it's an effect, but it's something weird about it. So it just, if you knew what they were trying to go for, you're like, Oh, okay. But otherwise it was just, I don't know. didn't do much. Right. But so she's laid up in the hospital and then, Instead of having like Balak just sort of appear and throw out the window, like she is infirm. She can't move. She's pretty doped up. And Balak, to dispatch her this time, talks her way in, makes Damien wait outside, just punctures her IV bag with a syringe and just blows a bubble in there. And that's mm-hmm. what kills her. Just a bubble in your bloodstream gets to the brain. That is terrifying to me. Right. That is that is like that is one of those like that could just be happening at any moment in my body. Yeah. I have no idea. And, and that's one of those like I always wonder. Can that actually happen? Look, I'm not going to look it up. I just want to be scared to death of it. (laughs) But in this scene, like, obviously there's no, you know, kind of psychic eyeball fight between the two of them, like in the Mm -hmm. first one. So there's less, Julia Stiles has less to do here. I do think that her um, kind of struggling was like scary, like uh, Balak's like hand over her mouth. 
that was scary. Like yeah. that was uncomfortable. Because Bailey is still just like sweet as hell the whole time. Right. I mean, she's not like ah, ah, ah. it's yeah, it's awful. But then you've got Damien outside, like mesmerizing uh, a cop. So yeah. he's definitely culpable yeah. in all of this. So we've again, not that it hasn't happened before, but we've removed any mystery that this little boy is evil. Yeah, and he's just like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just like, I'm, I'm distracting a cop while you kill my mom. But then because because you go, I mean, and I know this is a little bit later in the game, but like because you kind of get the sense that he's evil when they're away from him for a long time, it makes you wonder what's going on. Like, well, what's what's he up to? You know, what kind of evil nonsense he have to rather than being like, well, we don't know if he's evil yet. So right now he seems okay. There's some weird stuff going on, but we're okay getting away from this. And it just I had a little bit more of a thought of like, well, I wonder what Damien's doing this time. Not out of any desire to see that kid more. Nothing against Seamus Davey Fitzpatrick who played Damien, but he, he was just playing video games. Yeah, basically playing you know, that one with, really with annoying goofy video game. sound effects instead well, of writing a That is one of my trike. biggest pet peeves in movies is yeah. when a guy has like, you know, like a plate, like a Xbox it controller. Like a PS1. And yeah. And it's like playing Atari sounds it's like, sure, right. why yeah. not? Whatever. That moment of watching that little bubble go down, particularly for mm-hmm. how like ridiculous so many other deaths are. Sure. I thought was, was a good way to do it. That well was done. Yeah. yeah. And this is not the kid's problem. This mm-hmm. is direction. He he just he was just like too scary the entire time. And yeah, it didn't work. Well, like again, like going back to the church approach, just attacking mom and being furious at his mother mm-hmm. when it's when it's over. Like he's sitting there just seething, staring at her, and so it it does create much more of a dynamic, like a, a volatile dynamic between them. But it's also like, yeah, this kid's evil. Mm-hmm. Rather than being like, he's just acting up and I don't know what's going on. Right. Which could work, but didn't in this movie. Um, David Thewlis, I always like it when he shows up, but I'm honestly not sure what I like him from because I'm yeah. not a Harry Potter fan, which is good for him because I'm just like, I don't even know what I like you from, but you're charming. So like, he's a good follow up for David Warner. Like if anybody were to he's take fine. that part. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Again, lack of neckerchiefs, right? Problem. Also, but, his his uh, his dark room was making me mad because there's windows everywhere. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah, um, but, it's but still, I liked it, him. Stylish. No, he was great, and I, and I like the moment when he's describing the poem. Which, first of all, they they make sure to underline like, oh, this is a composite of several different prophecies. It's like, so it's something someone made up. Then mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's right. it was, <laughs> right, it, just, it, yeah. it kind of diluted when the first one made it sound like it was more from the Bible. But when he's when he goes like, okay, bear with me. It's politics. <laughs> you know, the, the yeah. C is politics. Mm-hmm. I like to start it with bear with me. Like, I guess right. jump, but <laughs> I know. Well, like, okay. and he even said that at the coffee stand mm. off of the side of the road, just like the first movie. I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys. Like, I love that coffee stand too. Um, that was it's out in the middle of nowhere. It was out in the middle exactly of nowhere. It's also like, it was an interesting choice to make it all be in winter. Yeah. Like, I know I'm not like knocking it or, or saying one way or the other. It was just like, I was not expecting that. And so, mm-hmm. of course, the guy it gave them a chance to be more blue. Right. But uh, when they're, when they go to, the monastery to find the burnt priest, which I thought like taking it I got out thoughts of, on this one. Well, taking it out of like the hospital with the coolest elevators ever and having them talk to just like a nun who's selling trinkets at the side of the road about the fire yep. yeah. felt so much less of like, again, like a real place and real people having these conversations. It was everything has this foreboding air to it. Mm-hmm. It's a little like it's hard to sustain, right? Not just because we know what's going to happen, but just, I think just in general, it's hard to sustain. Um, but I did, I did like the, their approach to that, like how it's like, Silent Hill, everything's foggy. Sure. And they're rowing a boat to retirement community at Castlevania to meet Darth Sidious. Um, <laughs> right. uh, it was fine. Yeah, I mean, oh man. Okay, so really disliked a lot of this bit 
only because I've seen the first one. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about that a lot, which is would I like this movie as a remake or like would I like this movie as a, an original if I hadn't seen the original? Like mm-hmm. what I didn't like about this is I really disliked how they portrayed the uh, pastor who they were going there to see because he had such like a I am I have a makeup effect on me and yeah. I look like Palpatine. Yeah. As you already said. Yeah. Well, I said CD, exact, So well, it's exactly. technically it's different. <laughs> yeah. But let's get Stuart on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> what what I didn't what I didn't like about it is there's something about the original scene where these people look so removed from civilization. They look so out there. They mm. look like they do actually study old texts and like they believe in, for lack of a better word, even though they are Christian, like folk horror. Right. You know, like that kind of thing. Whereas, and there's something so unsettling to that low budget look of the first Omen, which in this one, I'm just- Very run down. Yeah, there's there's something about it. And in this one, I just thought that like, okay, the blue light's dumb. The snow is kind of cool. The makeup effects, I just, I didn't buy at all. The yeah. eyeball and the, the black hood. He looked, okay, so I guess this is what it is. We had to talk this through. This guy looked evil, whereas the guy in the previous film looked like he was actually like a screwed up guy who was out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, well, like, it looks like he was, he was punished and f- the result of that punishment. Not like he was, because oh, sure. this guy just was like, man, look at my face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas this guy was like, I can't really move and my face is scarred. And this is sort of like, I'm for, I'm trapped in this body, so to speak. Well, this is more just like, yeah, I'm here. What? I'm burned. Yeah. This sucks. Give me that yeah. pen. Ugh. Look at my eye. Yeah. And I like the, and the makeup effect again, like comparing it to the original on its own, the makeup effect is, is like, it's fine. Like whatever. I just sure, think fine. going over the top with it and making it, making the, the, the place they're going to seem like less of a, we just tucked this guy away somewhere. Right. Versus like, no, this is a really cool. He's in Neuschwanstein or like some fancy ass castle. Basically, it's all he's fine. like in a place where I want to go and like watch a metal show. Yeah, like, totally. I, not some sort of like weird ass place that's, again, tucked away. Yeah. And I mean, like, we yes, don't want to forget about these people. Isolated, but it seems more like a fairy tale castle. It's just mm-hmm. not. It's not. It's it doesn't have the same too feel. produced. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, too produced is, is how I feel about a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like it was a tiny, tiny budget indie thriller beforehand. But like, yeah, this is just. It feels so glossy for right. and in a way that I think detracts from the whole thing. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so they yeah, and they and then the 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 scene. I also thought it was kind of interesting the scene in the uh, cemetery. The, the the following scene, Leo Schreiber was was great in that scene. Um, again, like not getting as big, but sort of internally mm-hmm. crumbling. Uh, I liked him in that. But then when the dogs come, it's of course it's more of we're gonna fight them because that's yeah, what you yeah, do yeah. in two thousand six. Right. David Tennant pulling out like a cross to swat one of them with or whatever. David I like Tennant. the where they're just like running away. I'm not away. that big of a nerd, but you know, David Tennant, David Thulis. Oh, sorry, David Thulis. Yeah, <laughs> one of them. Oh, God, David. I, I like David Tennant, but David Tennant in this role would have been Alex weird. is going to have a fit. He is. He's, he's so, I don't think he's allowed to listen to the show. <laughs> but yeah, I just liked it better that they're like, we're just regular dudes. We can't fight dogs. Let's get exactly. out of here. I mean, Okay, if you and I were stuck in a cemetery digging up your well, okay, dead I would wife. fight dogs because I'm super okay. tough and powerful. <laughs> I would be running, and I, the whole time you're doing, I'd be doing push-ups. Yeah, yeah, I'd be running for the gates. Yeah, absolutely, immediately. 
You know, I would also be just saying like, I know you're attacking me, cute dog, but you're still cute and I don't want to touch you. Oh, look at his face. (laughs) Oh, look at you tear off my throat. I mean, that was another thing. The first hypno dog in this movie was a real cute dog with like, like big black furry hair and everything. And then they switched. Yeah, it was a little bit like the dog from... um was the dog and pets the pet cemetery remake black? I can't remember. I think it's so. Just, it's it's a lot more like wolfish looking dog. But it's all there black. So I was thinking yeah. of like you know I don't I don't know like I thought that was an interesting change because I, I like the look of a Rottweiler like as far as like mm-hmm. an evil dog goes. Sure. And I'm I'm overthinking this. There's a bit a little bit later when he goes to meet Pete Poshoway as um as the priest. Love that guy. Love that guy. Again, but, I don't know where I know him from, but I love that guy. Oh, I, uh, what do you got? You got your uh, usual suspects, mm-hmm. uh, name of the father, tons of tons of good stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. other movies, there's a there's a bit in the back where someone in a red raincoat runs in the background. And I'm like, is that supposed to be a reference to Don't Look Now? Is that because is this is like probably going to be this cheeky, like, look, I know other horror movies because it was very weird because this is very like prominent red figure in the background. I thought it was going to play into something later. It doesn't. It's I took it as uh, Schindler's List. That, oh, right. yeah, I mean, same sort of deal where it's like this, this nod to something else. Whereas, um, yeah. I, w- I was thinking about that. Is this supposed to be like a nod to the dog from stalker? Maybe it's just cause I just watched that. Oh but like, yeah. Like, is this sort of like just all black dog that kind of looks like a wolf. What is, why, why the change? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause when you make a change like that, you're like, okay, well, why did you do that? Right. And I couldn't come up with anything. Right. So Aesthetic, no idea. maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I was just like, well, I don't like Rottweilers. Rottweilers are played out. Uh, yeah. Played out. There you go. So, what about the kills in this? So we got to start with the David Zula skill just to make sure that we don't forget oh, the future kick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can I recommend the movie future kick enough? Watch and the movie future kick. All, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's a Don the dragon Wilson, uh, Meg Foster movie and has a very similar kill. That is pretty magnificent. Right. So when you're the director of this film, do you set it up and you're like, well, we got to do, I mean, everything else is shot for shot. Do we do one of the most iconic death scenes from the seventies over, or do we do it our own way? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of the point of this podcast. Like, right. do you do it again or do you do it your own way? Yeah. Um, I think this just falls in that camp of if I hadn't seen the original, I would think that this was pretty fun. Yes. Like it was well done. It was like shocking and quick. Surprisingly bloody. But yeah, surprising bloody. But each Omen movie has a surprisingly bloody mm-hmm. kill, like one of them. Yeah. And so this was it. Did we need six different camera angles? I guess only if you're David Warner, not yeah. if you're David Thewlis. Not if you're David Thewlis. But like the body fall you only get one was camera too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they call him one camera Thewlis. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that one that one was pretty extreme. Like I said, the 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 change for the Julia Stiles death was intense, it, it, uh, like much quieter than all the other deaths in there. Brennan, Father Brennan, Father Brennan. That's his name. So, uh, the Father Brennan death. Oh, my God. The Father okay. Brennan death is ridiculous. I kind of like this one. Yes, like, I was into this change. Now, I love this death in the original one. I mm. like how janky it looks. I love that they literally just sent a spike down a piece of fishing wire. Like that makes my low budget horror heart sing. But if you're going to up the game on this, a, you have him as the actor. Yeah. Like he's great. You add stained glass windows falling into his face, 
pretty great. I, I dug it. And absolutely 100%. I will give John more credit for keeping that that shot is in the newspaper. I, okay. <laughs> so I was annoyed with it because the first time we saw that shot, I believe is in David Thewlis's like dark room. He's showing him like the photos. Mm-hmm. But then it shows up a, a couple of beats later and it was in the newspaper and that got a fist pump out of me. I was just yeah. like, OK, we went and it was like, you know, the 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 New York Post of London or whatever. Yeah. Still like a tabloid like newspaper. But I was so glad that they kept that. That they kept that stupid thing. And like I was I was already just cracking up because I, I always I, I'm always a fan of like movie interfaces. I'm not a you know, I, I'm not a UI oh, yeah. engineer. I don't I don't know user interface, but just like when it's like, oh, you just a big button shows up in the middle of your screen that says email sure why not um and then like it just opens (laughs) Uh, yeah it's it was it's that stuff's always funny to me like uh uh again like how like young and the restless again i think it's like their youtube is like you view or something like that the way they get around this i'm always a fan of that of like weird Mm -hmm. computer stuff like that but um yeah but i i really like pete postulate as as father brennan like his insanity is a lot quieter it's mm-hmm. a lot just more that like quiet intensity where it's like, you got to get communion, you know, you got to take communion right now. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, rather than the, the more like the fire and of Patrick Troughton's performance. And so, but he's still like, yeah, does a terrible job of selling it, but, uh, uh, it's more reserved in his insanity, but still very intense. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't like, I, I will say though, that with Trout's performances that when they meet again and he like looks sick and in pain. Yeah. And I, when you find out he's dying, it's like, oh, that makes more sense. Whereas P. Poshuit, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm dying. You know, right. Like, oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Talking about the dream sequences, I felt like there was somewhere to go here, but they didn't go far enough. You put somebody in a goat skull mask with a robe over them, and I'm Oof. gonna kind of like it. Like, yeah. I I know that's corny as hell, but I I dig it. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like they didn't play the rule of threes. Like they did it twice, and they didn't do it a third bigger time to sure. make it feel that it actually had weight or had a meaning to it. I'm not saying that like they needed to encounter somebody in a red robe with a goat's mask on, but that might've gone a little bit further to just kind of explain why these images were there because the images were too basic to look that haunting, I guess. And they were, they were, they felt like filler in a lot of ways yeah. just like a way to add jump scares or stuff like that you know I, I didn't need that to show that her the Julia Stiles relationship with Damien was crumbling I, yeah. I didn't I didn't like oh well the dream let me know Damien holding a noose with, yeah, vampire, with teeth. vampire teeth for some reason yeah and then and then when when Liev Schreiber is, is having his uh, freak out his dream about it and there's like the priest behind the columns who just like whips out a dead baby I it's mean, like very like very like rubbery looking sure it's just like okay I can see why you cut away from that but um yeah, it just is. Some of that stuff just felt very. Wouldn't this look cool? You know, uh, I mean, I that was which is, most of it, which can and be fine, but just that didn't can really be fine. Do much. Yeah, it's almost like they didn't push that far enough yeah. to make it feel like it was relevant to the movie mm-hmm. or really like set a mood. It just it really just felt like, hey, look at these cool shots. OK, back to the movie. Right. Much like Psycho remake. So mm-hmm. why do we <laughs> why do we think that the Psycho remake was an interesting dance with the original and this one just felt because I, I want to be careful about just trashing remakes because I want to believe that there could be something to be seen here. I, my main rule is just like, Hey, why don't you make a a remake a movie that's didn't quite 
fire on all cylinders yeah. instead of a classic. Yeah, but remake Omen too. Why did we find that one interesting and not this I one? I think, as I said in the open, that it is like you, you this sort of lays bare what Donner did in terms mm-hmm. of like like make, choosing to make it more of a mystery and how that works better. Uh, now, granted, you know, like I said, you can't help. It's hard to take this movie on its face value without comparing it to the original. Yeah. Whereas like Van Sant's was challenging you to was like, look at this. Look at how I did the exact same fucking thing. Like literally um, the exact same shots. Yes. Yeah. Like I just read it. I read an excerpt from an interview with him recently where uh, someone asked him why he did it. And he was like, to see what would happen. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of li- like that answer. Um, well, again, my favorite of his responses has always been, why did you make it? So no one else would have to. Yeah. Like, I love that. Glib just, this this feels <laughs> I, like this feels more cynical than Van Sant. Like, I think when I was when I was younger and heard about this, the Shop Shop remake, I was a lot more like, well, this is just like the most cynical cash in. Mm-hmm. And yes, but also that's kind of the point. You know what I mean? Like it's there's there's a lot of readings there where this just feels like, no, it, it is. And yeah. as, as we said, it's just like because it's it doesn't do anything new and different with it. It mm-hmm. just it just glosses it all up. And that doesn't feel that that interesting to me. And I guess like even though I love Gregory Peck, he's no Norman Bates. And mm-hmm. so switching up a performance like Vince Vaughn did for Norman Bates is not as interesting to watch. Yeah. And so I felt like I was more interested in watching what Vince Vaughn was doing with Anthony Perkins performance than I was Lee Schreiber to Gregory Peck. Well, and I think that's that's a, a good view of it, like sort of overall, where it's like when you can you can watch that remake specifically with the second remake with the specifically with the first one in mind, you're, you're You're involved making those contrasts and thinking about that stuff. And, and, and for, for, for good or ill or like figuring out why this stuff works and why it doesn't work. This is not really meant to do that. Yeah. This is like, we're just updating it for a modern audience, not adding much to it. So you're not as engaged. Obviously that's what Gus Van Sant wanted to do. And it was a, a part of the press push for it. Like, I almost wonder if, they would have pressed out into the press that this was going to be a shot for shot remake of the omen. Like if we mm-hmm. would think differently of it, if like the narrative would have been differently. Right. Like yeah. if we would have like engaged in this, or like they're like, we are using the original script. And I mean, and, and I didn't follow the press for it. Maybe it did. So I don't right. know. There you go. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Again, like I don't, I don't want to like hate on every remake. Like there can be something useful to this, and if if somebody sees this one first and makes them go watch the seventies version, great. Yeah, but for I, I would I'd be I'd be willing to say though that outside of Psycho, for the films that we've watched, for the franchises that we've done, this might be my number two spot for remakes because I didn't like it, but it's not a bad movie. Oh, it's like, not I, a bad movie. Because like I didn't, no. I didn't, you know, by like Friday Thirteenth, I didn't particularly like Silent Night, Deadly Night. That was, or you know, I really didn't like that one. I'm just trying to think of the other ones that were done. That Pet Cemetery really didn't like. Oh um, yeah, really didn't like that one. It's an okay standalone movie. It's just hard, like particularly watching them back to back to back like this. Certainly better than four, uh, right. you know, part four. But it's it doesn't it doesn't feel like it, it justifies its existence. Right. It makes our format hard because like why would you watch? the omen 76 and then the omen 2006 back to back and not feel like you've been just duped right but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just but that's what we do and now granted i've had many movie nights by myself or with other friends where we watch the original and the remake you know potentially one of the best ones was <laughs> all the taking a pelinum one two three oh sure. and good god 
is there a drop off because the original is one of the greatest movies ever made. (laughs) So, but I'm just like, what is the point of this? If it's not to get you to watch the old one. And if you're already a fan of the old one, then why watch this one? So again, it's not poorly made. Yeah. You know, like at least again, like the pet cemetery for for as as much as I didn't really enjoy the pet cemetery remake, it does try it, it. It does try something with it. It's like, well, all right, mm-hmm. we're going to switch it and make it the daughter. Okay. We're going to switch it up and try to make it more bleak in this way or whatever. This is just like the same. I will say they do try at the end. And I don't think this is effective, but as you, as you sort of referenced earlier at the end, after he gets shot, which, uh, trying to, after trying to, to kill Damon, which is oh, yeah. really much less dramatic than mm-hmm. that, than the Gregory Peck moment. Cause like, it's all these SWAT guys coming in Laser and it's like a random one takes the shot for the close with the gun or, or whatever. But instead of just going to the funeral, it's the funeral is intercut with this like Cardinal going to talk to the dying Pope who like yeah. you've widened the scope away from the personal story mm-hmm. into like what this can all mean. And like, that's true. Like obviously like the devil is involved. That's bad. But I think keeping it still small and being like, well, this guy failed and the devil's out now and that lessened it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, cause you're not focused on him anymore. You're focused on this grant on like, Oh, the Pope's dying. So now we're really screwed. Right. So again, like you've, you've done the shift of focus from what should be the intent of the scene. I think, yeah. Also, I think Damien at the end turning and looking was a little bit too like ain't I a stinker. I mean, of course it was going to happen. Yeah. But I just think he had a lot more of like a, ain't I a stinker look on his face than, <laughs> than the other one. Right. He does smirk. Yeah. A little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, let's, uh, let's just go ahead and honor our dead and get out of here on this one. Ambassador Stephen Haynes, played by Marshall Cup, incinerated in a car crash. Nanny, played by Amy Huck, hypnotized by Satan to hang herself. Father Brennan, played by Pete Postlewaite, impaled with a metal rod. Kate Thorne, played by Julia Stiles, injected with air embolism. Keith Jennings, played by David Thewlis, decapitated by a sign. Mrs. Baylock, played by Mia Farrow, ran over by Robert with a car. Robert Thorne, played by Liv Schreiber, shot by a police officer with a sniper rifle. Unnamed Pope, played by Bahumo Svarik, died of old age. So again, I mean, not a bad movie. I can't imagine why you would watch it unless you were watching along with us, which you always should do. Mm-hmm. So I, I love the idea of that I'm trying to like tell people not to watch something, even though like I love when people watch along to be completionists, just no, like sure. us. But you know, yeah. um, can't say that this one offered a whole lot new. No, like I, I kind of wish there was a better director like it, it makes you think like if there was a better director behind it with these performances like you probably could have gotten something really really cool out of this mm-hmm. but this is this guy was a lot more interested in being stylish and slick it, it felt like than really paying attention to like the plot beats or whatever i almost wish there was more style like there was just a tad bit of style like he was like slick but push that style yeah, maybe a little it was bit more, more ridiculous but it's i think also just though for this movie like staying in a more sort of family drama makes makes a little bit more sense but i also just think that that style like undermines some of the other stuff they're going for yeah. that same castlevania monastery scene mm-hmm. and then the priest pulls out a machine gun from under his cloak you'd be like absolutely that makes sense like that <laughs> right. should happen here <laughs> for um, sure but yeah it's like it's not bad but it's 
bad for what it's trying to do. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, if you've seen the original, there's, I mean, no I don't even know what it's trying to one. do to be yeah, honest. I mean, it's like I'm trying not to trying to be overly but, cynical. I'm just trying yeah. to like, are we trying to draw people to the original? Because if so, like maybe you would do that, but yeah, like, or like start a whole new, like, or start a new lore thing with it or something, you know, like do, do a spin on it. Didn't do any of that. So it yeah. just, it, it made a ton of money though. It, mm-hmm. it made uh grossed 120 million against a $25 million budget. Uh, according to Wikipedia, there you that, go. Ain't, that ain't too shabby. That ain't bad. You know, which is, which kind of funny that it's like, it's not until now that we have that new one coming out that they didn't like I know. It got mixed reviews, but it's still like it made money almost and 20 years later. Yeah. It would have been, I, 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 as I already said, like I, while I didn't love this one, I wouldn't mind seeing like, let's, let's do the other ones. Let's see what we can do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But they're not, they're going, to the past. They're going mm-hmm. to the pre-omen, which like, is, is just going to be a lady having sex with a jackal? Um, like, what am I, what am I going to be seeing there? So I don't know. Like, as much good, as I, I don't uh, have much hope for it. As much as I enjoyed that part of the lore, can't say I want to see it. Yeah. I don't really, I'm not that interested. Yeah. Not, not that interested in seeing it on film. I always thought that was a funny bit. <laughs> well, I also like, I think they left it up to your imagination a bit more in the original, which, which worked. This one, like the the guy fucking says, I was going to say that I was going to say that earlier, like the yeah. first meeting of, of, uh, Brennan, he says it full on. Yeah. Mother was a jackal. Er. So like it makes you, it, having it make you do the work. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more horrifying. You're like, that can't be right. Why did I think of that? You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, rather yeah. just spelling it all out for you. All right. Well, uh, I think that's about going to do it for the Omen remake. Next week, we'll be back with our uh, wrap up of all four, because that's still kind of fun to do to talk about how all these definitely shift together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we haven't quite settled on what we're going to do next. But I do know that in sometime this summer, we're going to be taking a look at that maniac cop. So if you just kind of, if you want to like get ahead on that, I would suggest doing that. We're trying to work out some scheduling things that would be fun to talk about maniac cops. So take a look at that. But I think there's going to be something in between. Yeah. You can't rush right into maniac cop. You got to I mean, you got to work your way up. Yeah, it deserves that kind of uh, love. But in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram at this may hurt a bit pod, hurt a bit pod on YouTube. And you can email us at this may hurt a bit pod at gmail.com. So uh, stay tuned next week for our wrap up. We'll let you know where we're watching next because as I said before, I love it when people watch along with us and we'll let you know what we're going to dive into in a week yeah let us know what what you thought of the uh the remake obviously chumps love insta did not care for it uh mm-hmm. but if you have if you're like hey this worked for me let us know why i'm 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 always willing to to entertain uh you know if you liked it let me know why please do let us know i love yeah i love hearing from people as far as like again even if they disagree with us i i actually i love hearing that kind of stuff so yeah. please do if it, mm-hmm. if it made you super excited go ahead and let us know why it's mm-hmm. that's totally cool all for it yeah All right, so we'll uh, see you next week for the wrap-up episode. So, good night for now. Good night. This has been a Caretaker Press production. It was produced by James Strayer and edited by John C. Myers. Logo by Ethan Kimberling and music by Michael Arthur Holloway, who you can find on Bandcamp. Follow us on Instagram at thismayhurtabitpod and email us at thismayhurtabitpod at gmail.com. Give us a five-star review over on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next time.